reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We're presented by John Boy Media. And the Giants have completed the 2020 draft. We've got 10 new players plus 12 undrafted free agents, which we will get to eventually on this podcast. Not this podcast today, but this podcast called Talking Giants. So I know we have a lot of first-time listeners, and we're pumped about this draft, Justin. We got uh, offensive linemen. We got uh, you know some linebackers, some DBs. I think it's a fun, a fun draft. We obviously are going to talk about Andrew Thomas a little bit today, and then we're going to go through rounds two through five. And originally it was going to be rounds one through four, but Shane Lemieux has me so excited that I have to talk about him today. Justin, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the 2020 New York Giants draft? Oh, first of all, uh, I just have to thank everybody. I have to thank everybody in the world who is listening to this because we had an absolutely incredible, incredible weekend uh, personally, but then also just as flat out, just as a community. On the top of my head, I think, Bobby, we had seven different streams. And within those seven different streams and those live streams, we streamed for over 13 hours which is uh, bizarre, which is bonkers. Uh, Danny, Anthony, uh, yourself, and a couple other of the people that are, that are close to myself and that are close to us in the community that kind of joined us. Um, so that was absolutely awesome. Uh, so not only thank you for interacting with our content that we just posted that the whole weekend, uh, but also just thank you if you were one of those people uh, that were hanging out in the live streams. It absolutely means the world to us because that's what we want to do. Uh, we're building community, and thank you for being a part of it. So, uh, But also the Giants are a better football team, which also has me excited. Yeah, and I, I do want to give a quick schedule because we do have first-time listeners. Today, like I said, we're going to go rounds one through five. If, we're going to talk about Andrew Thomas, but if you want a real in-depth Andrew Thomas, just check our last one on Friday. Thursday, we'll go rounds six through seven, talking about those five players. And then next week, we will do an offensive undrafted free agent episode and a defensive undrafted free agent episode. Now, last year, no one did that stuff besides us. This year, I think some people are starting to catch along and realizing they got to pump their game up. But nonetheless, we're going to do that, and I think we're going to do it the best, and we're going to have the most fun doing it, man. And it was, like I said, it was a fun weekend, man, interacting with other people, having fun. Um, our parody accounts are starting to scare me. We're getting bigger. It's getting scarier. We're, get, we're, getting, we're getting a lot of stuff from a lot of angles, Justin. But obviously, let's talk about the draft as a whole and what it means for the team, and then we will go individually into the players and break down each player. We went BPA from round uh, three on. You know what I'm saying? Or, or their favorite not, – maybe not best available, but, like, their favorite player. Because McKinney was a need, and Andrew Thomas was a huge need, although both really good players. Now we, we have offensive linemen. Like, next year, like, we don't have to draft an offensive lineman. We don't really have to stress about offensive line. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect next year. We do still have a Nate Solder problem, um, and we don't know how well Matt Pratt will, will, will develop. But nonetheless, like, this offensive line has depth and some really good players. And Andrew Thomas was the best tackle in the class. 
on defense, we got some linebackers. Now, I'm not saying I'm sold on all these round six, seven guys. We'll talk about them eventually on the next show. And we got some secondary. We have Peppers and McKinney, both guys that, you know, Peppers we definitely believe in. We've seen it happen. McKinney's the one we believe it will happen. Love, we don't know what his role is going to be, and we will get into that. We'll get into that more with Xavier McKinney. And then you have the corners and Baker, Bradbury, maybe Julian Love, um, Holmes. So it's it's a team that's got some kind of death where Ballantyne and, and Beal will be fighting for the last spot on the on the roster, which that's a lot better than them starting for us. You know what I'm saying? So, Justin, I feel like this is a good draft. It's a draft of a team that's rebuilding. And I was having this thought earlier. It sets us up for in 2021, you just find the best player. If we want to go Jamar Chase and get a wide receiver next year and he's there, you do it. If you if, if you want to get the best pass rusher, the best linebacker, the best whoever, you just go do it because now they, hopefully we're not being too optimistic, but the things that you kind of need to be successful, like an offensive line, a quarterback, a secondary, those pieces are in place. Yeah, here was like my thoughts. So you basically just talked about the roster and you went very micro into the nitty-gritty details of some of this roster. Here's what I'm thinking of. I'm just thinking like macro, and I'm thinking like franchise. Saquon Barkley, we'll start off with Barkley. Saquon Barkley, a pick that Giants fans were kind of split on. Majority of the country probably likes Saquon Barkley, but fans split on, still split on to this day. Daniel Jones, a pick that the entire country and the entire league questioned and is still questioning right now. This year's draft was an investment in those two players And that is your franchise. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones are your franchise. And the fact that you are investing in those guys and you're doing it now, you're trying to maximize those rookie deals. You have a five-year window, especially with Daniel Jones, five-year window with Daniel Jones, where you are going to get a lot of good value out of Daniel Jones if he can bring it, which we both think that he can bring it. If we can surround him with the necessary weapons in the correct spots, in the correct spots, and that is with the offensive line and with the guys up front. This is what this draft was. It was investing in those two, especially Daniel Jones, most important position in all of sports. Happy. Happy that we're not wasting any time in in that regard. Very much so. Like you said, Daniel Jones is the most important player on this roster. He is the most important player for the Giants to win a Super Bowl. And you know what? We did the best to build around him. Do we want to have – now – Remember when Andrew Luck came out, we talked about, this guy is tough. He's gritty. He takes hits that he doesn't need to to get the ball down the field. Daniel Jones, we say the same things about that, and I love it. And I have, like, one of my best friends is a Colts fan. He's like, man, some of the things you say about Daniel Jones are the same things we were saying about Andrew Luck. Protect him. And we're doing that. We are protecting him. To, for a guy that holds on to the ball a little longer and looks downfield, which he does need to rein in a little bit, we are we are planning to protect him and that's awesome that's what we need to do and we did it with Andrew Thomas who was the best tackle in a very good tackle class and then you go get Matt Pert later which we'll get to but yeah we invested in the most important player on the franchise and in Saquon Barkley who is probably the best player on the, in the franchise right right absolutely and that's the whole criticism of the Giants of the last few years of the, well, basically if you're talking post-Super Bowl is that they have not invested in the most important positions of value in their franchise. That has been the biggest critique, and they've invested in in other places that have been super questionable and that make you scratch your head, or 
when they've tried to make some investments like cough, cough, 2015 first round, uh, Eric flowers, it's been half ass investments. And that's the problem there. This was yeah. not, this was not a half ass investment. Andrew that's Thomas it. is not a half ass investment at left tackle. Exactly. Exactly. You know, say we traded back with the Raiders and we had the 12th pick and we pick Austin Jackson, we wouldn't be singing the same tune of, oh, we got a left tackle. We got a left tackle. It's like, man, that was a reach up, up through all reaches. Congrats, Dolphins. You got your left tackle. Yikes. Now, we talked a little offense, defensively what it means for the team. I have been saying this, and bad job, Bobby. And you know what? Maybe I'll be wrong again on this next day. But I have been saying, you know, this whole Patrick Graham, he's multiple. They're going to run a multiple defense. I said, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. I don't. I won't believe it till you see it. Not. Not. I'm not even not like not. Not even saying it as a knock. It's be like, don't believe this defense is multiple until you see it's multiple. With the drafting of Xavier McKinney, I now believe. I believe this defense will be a multiple defense. And without getting like a pure edge rusher, I do believe this will be a multiple defense. When you get um, Holmes, I don't want to. I don't want to put too much um, investment for 2020 into a fourth round pick. But nonetheless. We don't really know what this defense is going to look like. And as much as that frustrates me, because I, I like to know everything, I like to break things down, it's a good thing. And I think that might even be not like, oh, what is it going to look like in 2020? I think it'll be like, what is this defense going to look like week to week? And that's what, that's what Bill Belichick and the Patriots have done well, is that their defense is not the same week to week. Their defense was never like James Betcher's, where it's like, hey, you see, they're just going to play a safety high, and he's going to play center field, and it's going to be a cover three look. So look one way, go the other way deep. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a lot of versatile stuff. And we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that when we get into Xavier McKinney. Isn't that nice when we're walking away from this draft saying that we don't even have to rely on a fourth-round <laughs> cornerback? That's pretty nice that we're walking away from this draft saying that compared to years past. We're thinking six-round pick, Corey Ballantyne, he's one injury away from a guy that may have to step in and play. Third-round supplemental Sam Beal, who didn't even see the field his first year, he may be a guy that, have to, that has to come in and play. <laughs> you know, So we're walking away from this draft, and this is what I like. And if you even remember back to when we were talking about Okuda, if, you're, if, you're, if you've been a listener for a little bit, you know I'm a big believer in let's stack up on secondary pieces. I know the cliche is you can never have enough corners, but that's not just for depth. It's simply because – the Giants are acknowledging that we are in a passing league and it's not that they're fading the pass rush because, you know, I don't want to be a jerk that speaks, that speaks in absolutes, Bobby, but they're not just fading the pass rush and saying, oh, forget about it. But the whole point is that let's stack up on what is hopefully going to be a strength for this football team that is the secondary. We're so, so relying on DeAndre Baker taking a step up and therefore a strong secondary will, will make your average to poor pass rush that much better. Now, Bobby... Uh, James Betcher absolutely sold us on his blitz percentage. And he, you know, that the, I feel yeah, like he the old, didn't do what he said. I know, but exactly. Saying. That's why you're, you're kind of bought in a little bit. I'm, I'm still in, I'm still at this point just as a fan. Like I still need to see it because oh. Bobby, I will say, and we'll talk about this when we get to McKinney more. This is something that is confusing. It's, it's, it is going to be very, very confusing. That's good that is good for this defense, that it is going to be confusing. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that. I want to save that. I guess, I guess you're right. Where, where, I, where I think my notion went from where I think we're going to be a cover three high, and that's one reason I was looking for a, a deep center safety, which, you know, McKinney isn't. Obviously, I was a big Winfield guy. And if you ask me, I probably, I probably still would have went Winfield. I thought, I thought Winfield was the best safety, but I get the heights, injury, and that's 
like with the McKinney pick, it seems like that's not what they were looking for was a deep, uh, a deep center fielder. Right. It, but it went from like, this is not going to be a multiple defense. Like this is going to be a three, four um, single high safety to like, okay, maybe it's going to be multiple. So I guess, I guess I will pull the range on a little bit before I say like, it's going to be multiple week to week, but it's going to be a different defense. I, you're right. I'll pull the range <laughs> back a little bit on that. Justin, you got anything like you want to like talk about macro wise before we go into these individual players? No, no, that was like my biggest point of like investing in the franchise. And now, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, macro defense concerns me. It really does concern me. We got better. We got better and we made a strength, particularly looking at the secondary, we made that stronger. And there's some fun things that this coaching staff can do, which I already hope that they do have an idea of what they can do. Worried about still that defense and how they can carry that out. But on the offensive side of the ball, they're ready to rock and roll, Bobby. They're ready to rock and bo- they're definitely ready to rock and roll. That's my final macro point. So that's why I get really excited, knowing that the offense, offensive league, makes me happy. Quarterback-driven league, he's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, on defense, you're 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 banking on a DeAndre Baker jump and play. Um, you're banking on Xavier McKinney being good right away, which he there's a good chance he may not be good right away. He may it may take him a year or so. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that. Um, it depends on what we're going to use Julian Love and if he's good in the nickel, if he's used in that role, um, and our pass rush. So I don't want to. I'm not like going like this defense is ready to go. Like, I agree with you. I do want to pull the. I guess I will pull the range back, but I, I'm excited for the direction of it. And the and you know me, I'm a defensive schematics nerd. I love cool different types of defense. I love breaking that down. So as much as like it pains me to not know exactly right now, I'm looking forward to doing the week by week breakdown. Like check out this crazy blitz. Those are my favorite things to look at. So that's what excites me of of the different ways McKinney and Pepper use. But let's let's save that for when we get to McKinney. Let's talk about Andrew Thomas. Now, if you want the full in depth, check out our last episode. You know, let's look at it with knowing what the rest of the picks were. It's an awesome pick. You have your left tackle uh, for the future. And I know some people said, oh, maybe he'll play right tackle and Nate's older left tackle. <laughs> if, Nate, if Andrew Thomas is not good enough to start at left tackle right away, then that's a problem. And if, Joe, and if Joe Judge is not willing to let him play left tackle right away, even though he's the best left tackle on the, right, uh, on the roster immediately, well, then that's a problem with Joe Judge, which I don't think, I don't think that will be. But if he, if he has, like, this seniority complex, which I'm, I can't stand when – when coaches have that, except for Eli Manning, you know, kind of, you know, we'll, we'll get into that on a different day. But Andrew Thomas is the starting left tackle from day one. You put him next to Will Hernandez. And you know what? Will Hernandez needs to be on his game. And that's something I noticed about uh, Andrew Thomas is he's very smart. He has a great football IQ, which you know what that means? That means passing off stunts. And he has to be able to trust his left guard. And you know what? Nate Solder, I don't know if he didn't trust Will Hernandez or if he wasn't just – he wasn't prepared or communicated. But the left side of our offensive line was horrible, was flat out disgustingly bad at picking up stunts. And stunts aren't the craziest thing in the world. And if you don't know what stunts are, it's when, say, a defensive end crashes in and a defensive tackle loops around on the edge. It was disgusting how bad they were picking up. I've seen college. I've seen – damn, I've seen high school teams be able to pick them up better than the left side of the 2019 Giants O-line. And I guess you can blame part of that on Hal Hunter, the O-line coach at the time. Hopefully Colombo fixed that up. But Andrew Thomas – was the best left tackle in this in this in this draft he dominated the best competition and Josh Allen Kalevon Chasen Julian Aquora and whoever else he went up against he has room to improve which I, I'll have a breakdown now about how his footwork needs improvement and his punch needs improvement which are two things that guys get better at he had the best shuttle time which means he's the best in short distance I thought after Jedrick Wills he was the best drive blocker out of 
like Beckton, he would he would knock guys out, but consistently driving guys like straight up, he did a, like a, almost as good as a job as Wills. Wills is just a little more technically sound in that. But pass blocking wise, it's it is clear cut to me who the best is in the class. Um, Wills was my second tackle. He was he was slightly behind him, but like it wasn't a, it, there was no doubt who was the best for me. And then worse, I just wasn't a fan on a fan of. I was praying that we, it wasn't worse. Um, and there was a lot of relief when it wasn't worse because all the worst rumors on Thursday. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's who Andrew Thomas is as a player. Um, and I let's do you want to do you want to chime in? Because I know we've talked in, but I do want to talk about how who these guys are as people. I guess the final point, just about Thomas, if you if you want to, still thinking about the comparison of you're still thinking in the back of your brain. Did we make the right move? I was a Wills guy. I was a Beckton guy. <laughs> I was a Werfs guy. Did we make the right move? The most natural athlete out of all of them, and I know people like Werfs, I know people like Werfs, but I'm particularly just thinking about, think of Werfs as a tackle and not a man moving in space. Think of him solely as a tackle. But Thomas, as a tackle, not necessarily a man in space, the best natural athlete, and you mentioned Wills as a technician. Now, Wills, he would exaggerate literally everything, and he would look like he is a technician. He is really trying to be very technical, and you can sense that. And I like that. But Thomas, he is so smooth. He is such a natural athlete, uh, and that's why I particularly think like he doesn't have to really try to get his his technique right because it just comes so naturally and it's so smooth for him. And and that was the thing where it's like, oh, Thomas, he doesn't have the upside. I was Justin. I was like, Wills doesn't really have the upside because he's so like technically sound. Like, his footwork was awesome. His hand punch was good. It was just, like, he didn't have, like, the recoverability that Andrew Thomas had, where when Andrew Thomas would make a mistake, he'd be able to recover. Wills didn't have that. So that's what bothered me. It's like, why does Wills not get this whole, like, there's no upside thing, and Thomas does. It didn't make sense to me. Anyways, I'm glad we got our guy. I felt good. What's nice about our – I think I might have said this on the last episode. What's nice about our listeners, Justin, is that, like, they were congratulating us. Because it's like, you, Bobby, you got it right. You said Thomas was number one. You're number one. So that, that was a lot of fun. Even got some love in the five-star ratings on the Apple Podcast app because of that. Like, Bobby, you got it right. That was your guy. I, I think we did. There was, there, was one, there was one long review that we got. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, Bobby, congratulations. It, it, this, this was your accomplishment. Yeah, man, it was, it was a lot. Of, no, it's not. <laughs> I can't believe I just almost accepted that. No, it is not my accomplishment. I just like the guy. <laughs> I almost was like, yeah, definitely. Like, you no, just accepted just- an award. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about a guy who the conversation is, it's a very tricky one. Xavier McKinney, Alabama, second round pick, 36 overall. While people saw this is a steal, and I get that because he's a first round pick, six foot, 201 pounds. He ran a 4.6340 at the combine, 19 bench press reps, 36 inch verse- vertical jump. Justin, I'll let you go into it about him. But I think the biggest thing with him is versatile. Versatile. And I'll let you share, you know, the stats on where he played most of the time. But for people to say, oh, he's a free safety, he's going to play free safety, he's going to play single high, not true. Not true. When he has single high duties, I see it coming from too hot and having Peppers come down or whoever, you know, they have next to him coming down. And then, because if you have McKinney in the center field, Justin, and teams know that he's playing the center field, then it's not a good pick. Then we have mismanaged a talent if that's the way the Giants were if, if that's where the Giants plan to use him. It'd be like playing Antoine Bethea at deep center all all season, which we just saw. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get the point. Saw so the same thing with McKinney. 
you cannot ask him to cover an entire field. Half of a field, yes, but the plays now uh, plug YouTube video. We just dropped this today or last night, whenever you're listening to this, we just dropped this, uh, a half an hour Xavier McKinney in-depth film breakdown where we basically rewatched three games. And what we saw, Bobby, is whenever McKinney was asked to kind of cover a large, a large, um, a large space, a lot of a lot of fields, right? And he was the single high safety, very very hesitant. He sees the quarterback's eyes. He's a player that really does rely on looking at the quarterback's eyes. And we'll talk about how that's a, both a positive in the intermediate game, but it also could be a detriment to him. And we're talking about deep down the field when he's covering maybe seam routes down the field. But he's a guy that relies on looking at the quarterback's eyes. So he'll see the quarterback's eyes. He'll be maybe covering the left side of the field as a single high safety, but a quarterback's eyes is on the right side. He'll hesitate to really get into full stride and to go. It's like, hey, I see the quarterback is looking over here and he's going to throw. And it's your job as a single high safety. God forbid you have a wide receiver that catches a ball and your cornerback can't make a play on the ball carrier. It's your job to get over there and save six points. And he did not put himself in position consistently to save touchdowns if a ball carrier were to get free. So it's not that he can't play free safety. Like that's not what Bobby and I are saying. And I think throughout the whole day, I've said McKinney is such a strong player in the box. He is such a strong player when he's defending the run. He's such a strong player when he's kind of like man to man in the intermediate game. He's so strong at doing that, that I, I kind of don't want him playing free safety most of the time. People perceive that as me saying that I don't want him playing free safety at all. No, McKinney is just such a strong player in other aspects of his game that he should not be playing single high free safety most of the time. Yeah, let, let, let me um, expand on that when we say free safety because people say, oh, like, like you can be free safety and be in a cover two, like two safety highs. So you could play, right. it's not like he can't play the left side. And that would be yeah. half of the field. Like cover two would be half, you're covering and half of the I'm, field. I'm, and I'm fine with that. When we, it's, and I guess there's no, there's really no such thing as free safety and strong safety, or there shouldn't be in this defense. There should be just, there's two safeties. It's which one is playing where at what time. But like, it's, it's not that he can't play free safety, Justin. It's the fact that he just can't be this, like, by himself in center field with nobody, with nobody next to him or, or not consistently. But like you said, he's good. He plays in the box. He plays forward. Like you said, he reads the QB's eyes. You can't do that as much in the NFL because they will deceive you. They're, they use him in nickel. I mean, I mean go, go through the, like, where he played and at what percentage of the time he played, Justin. Yeah, so he lined up as a slot corner. Now, this doesn't mean he lined up in the nickel. He lined up in the nickel, 227 snaps. He lined up in the box, whether, as a, whether you're lining up as a box safety or sometimes he even looked like he was a linebacker, playing as a linebacker at times. He lined up in the box 285 times, and he lined up as a free safety 272 times. So, I mean, that's very, very evenly split between those three different spots. Yeah, and I counted I counted in the box at 323 because it has, like, D-line on there. And, like, being on the edge doesn't make you a D-line. True. It just means you're a safety that's playing on the line of scrimmage. True. Um, so, he was mostly in the box. So, I had him in the box 39% of the time um, at, at, you know, a deep safety, whether it was, you know, someone next to him um, or not, 33% of the time. And then at corner nickel, although that was almost like in the box because he would usually split the tight end and the tackle 28% of the time. A lot of off-ball corner, like, like slot corner that he would play. But even when he was close, he actually was pretty good. There was actually a play against Justin Jefferson where he was playing up close to the line of scrimmage. And typically safeties, I, <laughs> I, at least if it's me, if I'm a safety and I'm not used to covering guys close to the line of scrimmage and knowing that I have one of the best wide receivers across from me in the country in Justin Jefferson, 
I would have the tendency, I would maybe want to hold him a little bit, but he covered him pretty well, didn't allow a lot of separation, didn't hold him. So I I like that. In fact, when it was like him look towards the line of scrimmage and covering like deep routes, he was fine. He actually had more trouble when he was playing deeper and they would get balls underneath him or he wouldn't have the greatest read. There was times like that. That's what kind of worried me. Now, a lot of that was against LSU, Justin. And LSU had the quarterback who went first overall, and they had three first-round wide receivers on their team and two NFL tight ends and an NFL off- – like, so, like, I don't <laughs> want to go too crazy, like, being like, how did this guy not just destroy LSU? And he didn't – he made plays against LSU, too. I mean, he forced an interception on, on a strip sack on Burrow. He hit, he hit Burrow a couple other times. In that LSU game, I, I went and counted it since it was the most pro-like team. They had the most, the most pro players ever drafted. In the box, he had, was there 54% of the time. Corner, uh, which is nickel, 25%. Uh, as a double high safety, was 18%. But I will say, the first nine reps for there, they only played three more the rest of the game. And then as a single high safety, two reps, 3%. So he's versatile. So going into this draft, I was looking for a deep safety like Antoine Winfield. This changes what I think about the defense. And let's, see, let's talk about how he works with Peppers. Because Peppers actually played in the box more in college. But... Peppers did play um, deep a little bit for the Browns. Not much for us. He played up. I see Peppers playing up a little more. He's the one who has the more range. I mean, his 40 time is two-tenths of a, uh, of a second faster. Peppers has that ability. And I thought Peppers was going to play that in 2019. The Giants surprised me and didn't do that. But I thought he was going to play more of that in 2019, although he is really good in the box. So McKinney is going to play towards the line streamers more than Peppers. Like, is, is that a hot take? No. And again – we're not talking about his ability in the run game. McKinney, specifically in the run game, is awesome. It's awesome. Now, I'm sure a lot of you, when Bobby said the 40-yard time and it was a 4-6-3, I'm sure a lot of you are screaming, well, Bobby, you're forgetting that he had the, the, the pulled calf strain or the cramp on his 40-yard dash. Now, I don't know if that's totally true. I don't know if that's totally true. He's not the fastest guy, but he's instinctual, Bobby. So, you know what? I don't really care about, you know, where you are in the 10-yard in the split in your X percentile or the 40-yard dash in your X percentile. I don't really care where you are because McKinney is an instinctual player who can read and react very well. So, you could be the quickest guy in the world, but if you don't have the instincts to, the, to therefore read and react, then you're kind of screwed. McKinney has that. Whenever there would be a running back or wide receiver or somebody that was on his side when he'd be lining up as a safety or would he, whether he'd be lining up in the box and they'd be going out for like a swing pass or like the bubble screen, it would be his job to go after him. Even if he's 10 yards down the field, it's McKinney's job to go after him, make a play on that ball carrier. And he did, and he was fast. He would basically prevent 10-yard gains, and it would become maybe two, three, four-yard gains. And he's also a very good open field tackler as well, very good form tackler. So McKinney in the run game and in like this intermediate short box guy, even when he maybe is playing a little bit further back, I like him. He's really, really good. Yeah, I, I would like to see him and Peppers playing deep more often together and not letting offenses know what you're going to do. So – if, if you want one to come down, you have them race down when the ball snaps. And then that allows say, – say you're having Peppers race down, and then that means you're, you're trusting McKinney to play deep. Well, at least the offense didn't know what they're doing. So let me, let me try and play out a scenario in my head. You got, you got both these safeties deep. Just imagine that in your head. You got them playing, you know, 10-plus yards off the line of scrimmage. And you got two wide receivers on the outside. You say, you say one's going – both are going deep. So – 
and and normally if you're running like a, a like a cover three, you would have one safety down because he's going to cover like short, and you have one safety high. When you're a QB, it's kind of an easy read. What you do, you look at both guys, you see which one's open, you look at the other to move that safety with your eyes, and then you go the other way. When you do that, and, and you can see it before the snap happens. When you have both of them high, well, you're not, you're not expecting to have that easy read. So you have one crashing down, and then the other one's playing deep. So it gives the QB less time to move the safety, you know, where they say, like, his eyes tell the truth more than they would regularly. So that's really hard to explain um, through a podcast, but I figure, and I don't want to get too nerdy. I, I can't stand when we do that. Yeah. We do it a lot sometimes. Um, so basically – Basically, here's what it is at the end of the day, Xavier McKinney. He's a very versatile player who should be used versatile. And if he's used in one role and stuck at that one role, it's a, it, then, then, it's, then it's a bad pick. And I'll, what does this mean for Julian Love? Well, let's wait until we get to Darnay Holmes, and then we'll, we'll talk a little more Julian Love. They'll give you a reason to talk Darnay. Yeah, yeah, Anything else on it, Xavier? Or go ahead. Basically, to put a bow on it is every rose has its thorn with this, with its, with this pick. The thorn is... He's not the deep center field safety that we needed. He just he he won't be able to fully do that 100% of the time. And also the thorn is the fact that this coaching staff this is a tough task. This is a very tough task. I I don't want to I don't want to act like it's so easy to just say, you know what, McKinney can go here, McKinney can go there, McKinney can go here, McKinney can go there. Because you want to know what, I'm still just shell-shocked with James Betcher where we expected all these different looks and him to do all these different things with, I understand limited talent, and (laughs) Patrick Graham's going to have a little bit more talent, a little bit more. He's going to have a little bit more talent than Betcher did. I don't want to, like, I don't want to poo-poo on fun, but at the same time, I also just don't want to have my expectations so high where everybody's going to be flying around the field, which it's easier said than done. So that's the thorn. But the rose is, is that this player is a very good football player and he is a very good playmaker. Yeah. The problem with Betcher though, is that he didn't trust his team to do it. It's like, if, will they, are they young? Will they make mistakes? Yes, Justin. But what the problem with Betcher was, and this is why people got mad. Like, people got mad at me. Like, why are you getting mad at Betcher? This defense doesn't have, the, like, a lot of talent. It's like, yeah, but don't coach like they don't have a lot of talent because then you just make it easy. You make it like a like you're playing Madden for quarterbacks where it's just the easiest reads ever. So, if you do that, yes. Will they make mistakes? Yes, they will. And will there be, will you, will there be a wide receiver who's completely uncovered here and there? Yeah. But you know what? I'd rather take a chance playing, like, fun and free and different and confusing guys than just letting them slowly move the ball down the field because you're in fear of them moving about down the field in one play. So that's what I'll have with that. Let's move on. Though. Yep. Let's move on. Oh, we did talk about Andrew Thomas as a person. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't care. We're, we're going back. He, he, uh, he plays the piano. He plays the drums. Uh, he's a very smart person and it shows up on the field. He has a high football IQ. He seems like just like a nice guy. You know, he like, now, you see the mean streak when he plays. I'm not saying he's like a pansy. But he just seems like a nice guy who's smart and like has a lot of interest. I, I, a thing that we don't see as fans is, like, who are these people, players as people? Because that is honestly half the battle sometimes. Is, like, is this guy going to work hard? Is he going to, you know, be fat and happy once he gets a contract or what? Andrew Thomas doesn't seem like that guy. And, and I, I, loved his, uh, I loved his personality. Now, with McKinney, I watched an interview. He uh, – he just answered the questions the right way. He didn't. He didn't give me any uh, anything that you want, Justin. Alabama, they do it right. 
Well, I, I had to say them all because I, I want to talk about Matt Pert, Pert's personality. Let's talk about it. Pick 99 in the third round, Matt Pert out of Yukon. He's a Husky, six foot seven, 318 pounds. We ran a 506, 40, 26 bench press reps, 36 inch vertical jump. Justin, this is a guy we looked at with Nick Filato about a month ago or so. He truly is a potential guy. He only played football. He didn't start playing football until high school. Um, he's got these unbelievably long arms. Like something good about Andrew Thomas is how long his arms are. Perts are longer than his. You know what I'm saying? And he's very, very athletic. Um, and you see that in the run game. You all, you honestly don't see a lot of tackles pull. He pulled and he always got to his man in the run game. He was always able to get the linebackers, always able to seal them off, Justin. Um, his stuff is, though, he needs to have – he, he needs to be nastier. He needs to have more of a mean streak in him. Um, and in the pass game, he needs to be more technically sound. He opens his tips up and stuff. Um, sometimes he oversets. But, Justin, that's why we're not expecting this guy to start year one. He, he needs some coaching. But athletically, and you see that, like, he has the ability to get better because he did it at UConn. This was a good pick. Now, it does stink that, like, what does stink is, you know, you want to see your third-round pick on the on the field year one, which in a perfect world that won't happen this season. But this is a Giants team investing in their offensive line, and I, I like this pick. Yeah, the Giants are only one year away from, let's just say, Pert's not on the football team. The Giants are only one year away from having a problem at right tackle. I think we got pretty darn lucky with Mike Remmers last year, especially that he was healthy and that he played as well as he did. Uh, but, you know, we could easily, you know, if we ignore that position, we could easily be, be back in the days where we had Chad Wheeler and we were trying Eric Flowers out at right tackle as well. So let's not go back to those days. I like that this pick is with the intention of being a project. Uh, you, you, you like that. And we're not kind of expecting, you know, maybe even third or fourth round picks to kind of start day one. And that it, good problem to have. But your evaluations kind of match some of the stuff that I saw as well. I, lo- I kind of liked, I loved him in the run game. I really did like him. Now, he's not going to be a guy that's going to move people. Uh, but I loved his ability to get to the secondary level. He does need to get a little bit nastier. And I think part of maybe maybe getting nastier, what, what ultimately what will happen is if he adds some muscle mass and if he can get a little bit stronger because uh, 318, that's kind of, kind of light. We can see him put on maybe 10, 15 pounds. And then, you he know, that'll help. skinny in his frame too. Yeah, and, that, and, that'll, and that'll help, especially being 6'7 and you're only 318. You know, you're, you're so right, skinny in his frame. So head on a swivel, seems like a smart, intelligent football player. You know, if you're, I think in order to be a guy that moves up to the secondary level in the run game as well as he does, you know, knowing when you have to shut off your first block, knowing where the linebacker's going to be, knowing where your ball carrier's going, I think you have to be a smart, instinctual football player to do that on the offensive side and, and being a tackle. So I really like that. The only problem that I had, lack of play strength, muscle mass. Again, we're going to add some muscle. We're going to get some muscle in those legs. And also just uh, too wide. Too, feet are too wide in the past game. But a project – that's you can fix those things yeah so I, I think it's a good pick man he has a lot of potential now the thing that worries me though and this is gonna sound so stupid he is like a super nice guy like you if you watch the interview he had he is like he has a smile from ear to ear he's giggling like he's he is someone I want to interview because I think he's just a fun person to be around um and I just want to see I want to see him be a little more me now that I only went through three games of his, so I don't want to go too crazy. But uh, I like Per. I think it's a potential pick. He just needs to play a little meaner. Um, and that, that's my old school 
like old school scout take is that you got gotta be mean i don't i want you to be so friggin' nice man for i want to interview him though because i already have like 10 really good questions for him um he was actually training with andrew thomas for the combine did you know that justin well i knew it because you tweeted it and you're just the greatest investigative journalist ever <laughs> I, I am especially when it comes to people maybe transitioning to center that's that's really my expertise <laughs> in journalism <laughs> so yeah I don't know if he would even play in 2021. You know what I'm saying? But oh yeah, because you know we're we're forgetting about our guy in round five. Yeah, let's well, let's talk about the tackle conversation. Um, and we'll I guess we'll talk about it with Shane Lemieux. It's just we have a Nate Solder problem. And you know what? If if Shane Lemieux can play center, then I think Nick Gates has a chance to beat Nate Solder out. And that's from watching Nate or Nick Gates play right tackle. It's not not from just like oh Nate Solder isn't good. We saw Nick Gates play right tackle. We saw him play really good. So I, I, don't, I don't know what happens with Nate Solder. Maybe he gets back to just average this year. Maybe he does. He goes back to just being an average right tackle. We'll see. We obviously, you know, we know what's going on family-wise. That's tough. That can definitely take someone's focus away. But we can't – I don't want to have bad Nate Solder at right tackle either. And like I said, we'd rather have him bad at right tackle than bad at left tackle. But nonetheless, we still don't want a, a bad offensive tackle test. So yeah, Matt Pert's a good pick. I I I liked it. I was I was surprised by it, but I I do like it. Yeah, in terms of this whole tackle conversation, I think for for the 2020 season, and this is the take that I'm going in. We root for the guys in blue, right? No matter how much we've poo pooed on Nate Solder on this podcast, and again, we understand the circumstances that are surrounding it, uh, that are surrounding him. But I'm going with this take for the 2020 Giants: a average to good right tackle. Nate Solder is best for the football team in 2020. And I don't think that's a hot take. All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll go on to round four and five. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's take a look at UCLA cornerback Darnay Holmes. Five foot 10, 195 pounds. He was picked in the fourth round with the 110th pick. He ran a 4-4-8-40. Very good. He had eight interceptions in 35 games, a.k.a. three seasons. Justin, I think Darnay Holmes is one of those guys who might slack a little bit when the competition isn't great. Because I went and watched Washington State was the first game I watched of his, and I wasn't very impressed. He gave up two touchdowns. He gave up some other plays, and I was like fourth round like I don't know you know there's a Meek Robertson out there and I was like okay let me look at it like I guess he's good like he's played outside but you know they're projecting he'll play nickel and he's good against the intermediate to short routes he jumps plays he's good at reading QB's eyes I'm like okay I get it I guess it makes sense but I wasn't in love with it Justin then I watched him against Arizona State in 2018 against Nikhil Harry and then I watched him go, go against Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown in Oklahoma and now I understand the pick, and I am all aboard the Darnay Holmes uh, pick. Justin, against Oklahoma, against Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown, the first overall pick and a first-round pick who was based off speed. Because my worry was against Washington State, there was a couple times where he would do a press, and he got beat on go routes for touchdowns. So I'm like, oh, maybe this guy struggled over the top. Hollywood Brown was the fastest wide receiver, or at least fastest good wide receiver in last year's draft. He shut him down. There was only four targets uh, against Darnay Holmes, zero completions, one interception, and one pass deflection. And those both were on deep balls versus 
Hollywood Brown. He even had a QB hit. And it wasn't just that he wasn't thrown at. He wasn't thrown at for a reason. He was dominating him. Against Nikhil Harry, he had an interception jumping a slant route, which is something that he as commonly does. He plays with very good technique. He obviously has the speed. That Oklahoma film excited me. Like, if you go watch the Washington State game, you will say, eh, like, fourth round, I don't know. You watch the Oklahoma game, and you're thinking this guy might be a first-round pick. I'm serious, man. It's that good. It's, it, it was dominant. It was flat-out dominant. And, you, and I went and looked at the stats before to see, like, okay, what did Hollywood, Hollywood Brown do? He had 88 yards for a touchdown. And I was like, okay, let's see what happened, you know. You know, let's see what the tape tells. And not a single one of those catches were against um, Darnay Holmes. And you would think, oh, well, then he wasn't really matched up on him. No. Hollywood Brown pretty much caught the ball every time they didn't have Darnay Holmes on him. It was – he was on Hollywood Brown all game and locked him up. It was really awesome film. And then, like I said, he did good against Nikhil Harry, and, and those are the three games I watched. I don't know if he's going to play nickel. I think he has the ability to play outside, but I guess with the size, you may not want him out there. But nonetheless, he's a good football player. I was, I, like I said, I was surprised. After the Washington State game, I wasn't excited for this pick. I watched those other games, and now I'm excited. I don't know if you put him in the slot. I guess some of his skills of jumping intermediate routes and shorter routes fit better in the slot. But I don't think playing him outside is some crazy concept, especially since that's basically where he played his entire career. Yeah, you mentioned the fact about him allowing touchdowns. Now, uh, if you look at his passer rating, and if you know how passer ratings work, if you, if you score touchdowns, your passer rating goes up, and your passer rating is, is out of 158.3. So if you look at his passer rating throughout his collegiate career, you kind of you kind of shake your head a little bit. It's like, ooh, that's not really that great. But in 2019, allowed five touchdowns. Two of them came from one game, Bobby said. Um, and in 2018, he allowed six touchdowns. But if you look at his receptions by depth, like receptions that he allowed by depth on the football field itself, in 2019, he allowed four catches from 20-plus yards down the field on 11 targets, but three of those were touchdowns. So you, know, you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, it's bad if you allow touchdowns, but at the same time, four for 11 uh, on, you know, in terms of that being a pretty low completion percentage against 20-plus yards down the field, that's pretty darn good. And in 10 to 19 yards, he allowed six receptions on 15 targets, uh, zero to nine yards, uh, 10 receptions on 18 targets, only one touchdown allowed from the zero to nine range. And then that, therefore, explains at least the four touchdowns. Uh, Pro Football Focus is missing a touchdown, so there you go. Uh, another another good job on Pro Football Focus for having a lapse in their data. <laughs> another thing I noticed, and this was something with James Bradbury that was very like uh, like very noticeable. His understanding of route combinations is there in zone coverage, and a lot of guys can't figure that out, especially inside linebackers. But a lot of guys can't figure that out, and Darnay Hills was able to do that. Like I I put out a tweet, and maybe looking back at it, it wasn't bad. It was it was in the red zone. And he covers the corner of the end zone. But, like, the guy he was originally lined up on scored a touchdown, but he played it right. And people are like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot of touchdown. Like, explaining it. I'm like, no, this is a good play. Like, it was, it was, on, the, it was on the other uh, corner why this play ended up being a touchdown. He did an awesome job. Like, I was surprised at how fast he recognized the route combination. So, there's that. Now, let's talk about 2020 with Darnay Holmes. And that's the thing. We kind of get lost in fourth or fifth round picks, and we're like, what does this guy, what does this mean for this player? It's like probably nothing immediately. So Julian Love. With Xavier McKinney, now that definitely means something for Julian Love. I do see Julian Love playing nickel this year. That being said, if Darnay Holmes is able to excite and then say 2021 is able to play in that nickel role, it allows Julian Love to be more of a versatile guy who, and then we could play these dime looks, three safety looks. Some people have mentioned a 3-3-5. I, I won't believe that until I see it. 
but I guess I guess the um the role for him in the future is supposed to be nickel. If you really want to get into the nitty gritty of this roster, it might actually mean more for a guy like Grant Haley than than Julian Love in terms of playing time. Grant Haley gone. Grant Haley, yeah, Grant Haley would definitely be gone, and. If Grant Haley was gone, Grant regardless, Haley could, Grant Haley if, could be a backup safety though, because we don't have any. You know what? That actually, actually that actually is true because Grant Haley kind of playing up close. He's a great tackler, so that could work. <laughs> we'll see. I don't want. I don't want to say anything crazy. Anyway, anyway, but it might mean more for him. Um, and if you were imagining a world where Grant Haley might have been gone from Joe Judge's roster anyway, you don't feel great about Corey Ballantyne or Sam Beal lining up in the slot. So. I love the idea of getting a cornerback. I loved that idea. I kind of mentioned that in the beginning of the show, uh, stacking up on, in this side of the ball, uh, particularly at the spot. And we're intending on him being a cornerback, uh, a slot cornerback, which that is exactly what we are kind of looking for right now. Uh, how many times throughout these last couple of years, whether you go back to uh, Trevin Wade in the NFC divisional round of the 2000, or NFC wildcard game of that 2016 playoffs, where Dominique Rogers Cromarty went down and they targeted Trevin Wade left and right. Uh, how many times did we see Grant Haley would just be targeted in that Minnesota game left and right, left and right, left and right, because we just did not have a capable slot corner, even if we had decent cornerbacks, outside cornerbacks surrounding that spot. So it's an investment in that spot. It's an investment in a position that is growing of value in today's league, slot corners. You know, you are seeing NFL teams, they're putting their best receivers in slot corner. It could be a combination of that's just where they fit, or it also could just be that they know that the Giants never have good slot corners. So why not just put your best receiver <laughs> at slot is, corner? So this hopefully the end of the year with the Bears and the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. This hopefully uh, mess up that, you know, hopefully we won't have that problem this year. And that's a very good thing. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I guess it hasn't been too long since we had good nickel play with the like Dominic Rogers Kamari, but it feels it feels like a long time ago. He actually has NFL family though. His brother played, um, his dad was Derek Holmes played for uh, five years in the '90s. So little little pedigree, just like Sterling. We got, we got a few guys who play fathers played NFL, like like Sterling, old Sterling Shepard. Um, anything, anything else on this guy before we move on? He was another one whose interviews were very business like. He had a beautiful background. He has like a couple acres uh, on like property where he's from. Yeah, um, I saw that. That was that was pretty cool. Dan Duggan gave that that tidbit, and again, you know, Dan Dan Duggan just giving the tidbits that the people want. So uh, he's also a kick returner, which is fun. It's kind yeah, of kind of we need that. Or two. He hit. I think Javon Leak, who we'll talk about in the undrafted free agent, so could have a chance to be a kick returner and third string running back. Ooh. Um, oh. It was, it was just nice to have one undrafted free agent that we actually looked at. All right. Now moving on. This was supposed to be when we scheduled out our draft month. This was supposed to be rounds one through four. We're supposed to end the episode right now. But I had to do rounds one through five on this episode because we got in the fifth round with the 150th overall pick, Oregon guard Shane Lemieux, six foot four, 310 pounds, started all 52 games of his career at Oregon. Justin, do we need a guard? No. No, we got Kevin Zeitler and Will Hernandez. But this may have been the steal of the New York Giants draft. It's the, obviously, Andrew Thomas is the best player and, and, and so on. This, I think, was the steal of this draft. This guy is a mauler. He mauls, dude. He looks like Richie Incognito. He's got nasty hands. The first play I watched of him was up against Marlon Davidson, and he just just flat-out flattened this dude with one punch. He's Like I said, he's got nasty hands, and he drives people when he blocks. He has a little bit of issues, Justin, and pass. He can let guys get to the side of him. He needs to work on that. 
but you know, being picked in the fifth round, we don't need him to do that right away. He's also been practicing snapping the ball, although he never, you know, played center at Oregon. We we found Bobby Bob Journal 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 Bobby. Don't make that a parody account. Journalist Bobby found out that he has been practicing snaps. I have been the lead journalist on finding out who the hell is practicing snaps in the New York Giants. No big deal. I you know I got the Nick Gates scoop. Some people are calling me a journalist. I don't know. Even though I screwed up, who was going to be the second round pick? We're not. We won't talk about. Uh, so yeah, I love this pick. It wasn't a need pick. It was the best player available, even though he may move to center and fill a need, which I would like to see. But Justin, we have Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. If we had a bad guard, I would be, I would be comfortable with Shane Lemieux starting day one at guard for the Giants. Bad guy move on Justin because he forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Uh, that's something that basically all of these draft prospects have in common is that they've played in a lot of football games. They have started in a lot of football games for their respective programs, and the Mew is, is no different. Um, 3,535 career snaps at Oregon. That's a lot of snaps. That's a lot of experience, and that's something that clearly this team is valuing. he's not a running back. <laughs> Whoa! That was really good, Bobby. That was really good. Uh, can we say – Opposite personality-wise, especially he had some bold like uh, quotes oh from his gosh. interview. So he opposite- said, I'm the toughest dude in the draft, and this tape shows it. He is con- my man. My man just rips confidence. It's it's fun to see, and you need that from your guard, especially if he's a nasty dude and you're supposed to look be Richie. Inc- I put the Richie Incognito expectations on. Probably not fair, but I'm doing it. And you mentioned the played a lot of games. And I think that was something that kept the Giants away from my guy, Anton Winfield, is we didn't get any injury-prone people. And we've seen Gettleman actually, as a Giant, stay away from injury-prone people. This draft also was full of guys who were big-time players. Big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games. And these guys did it. Andrew Thomas dominated Clavon Chasen, dominated Josh Allen, dominated Julian Acor. Xavier McKinney, he made some, like, really – Big plays versus LSU. Darnay Holmes, best games were against Hollywood Brown and Nikhil Harry. Shane Lemieux dominated Auburn on a defensive line that had Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe, um, Derek Brown, even though he was only faced against a couple times. And those are just the guys we looked at. We'll look at the, the next five for the next episode. But this draft is full of big-time players and big-time games. Now, Matt Perp, maybe, but he didn't really have any big games at, at UConn. Besides this, the, um, the civil conflict, but that's not really a rivalry. Facing Wagner in New York, it's a pretty prominent school. Bobby, this Lemieux guy, <laughs> Lemieux, he's like, is, is he How not? Do you do. Is he not the perfect Gettleman guy? Like, when you he's hear the Gettleman. perfect anybody guy. I love the guy. <laughs> when you hear Gettleman talk and you hear, or even, or even Judge, like, let's even throw Judge into this. You know, Judge is just a little bit more structured in how he talks. But, you know, you are, you're tough, fundamental, fast football, you know, all these kinds of stuff. And then you hear Gettleman talk about, you know, hog mollies. Is this guy just not, like, the perfect – if Gettleman had to construct a lineman in a lab, would this not just – even include personality, would this not be Shane LeMay? I keep on saying LeMay because I'm a Yankee fan. Damn it. <laughs> Shane, Shane Lemieux. By the way, a Mets pitcher – I forgot his name. I'll look it up right now. He liked a tweet where I just bashed Dwayne Haskins, and I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> it was – I don't know if – it's Rob Whalen, like, like, actually, like, on the like the the um, the um 25-man roster for the Mets. I, I have no – I have no clue. So, well, we got uh, some Mets. Talking baseball. Well, to let us know. I mean, his, it says New York Mets right-handed pitcher in his profile. So, I'm assuming – I'm assuming that he um, he's actually on the 25-man. On the he's not just a minor leaguer. 
So that was funny. Yeah, dude, I, I love this guy. He's he's, more, he's my favorite pick of the draft besides Andrew Thomas, obviously. But, yeah, when I watched him, I was, at first I was like, this guy looks like a bamf. And then I watched his first play, and he just smacks. I can't remember if it was Nick Coe or Marlon Davis. I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely a bamf. He's going to win a Bobby bamf at, at some point in this season. Now let's talk about what it means for the O-line. Yeah. Let's just pretend that he can play center, and the plan is to start him at center. Well, then now, I, I, like I said before, Maybe we move Nick Gates to right tackle and we cut Nate Solder. And that makes room for Marcus Golden, even though there's room for Marcus Golden already. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I feel like that's a lot of things to make up. But, but basically what I'm saying is if he can play center, it makes things really good going forward. Now, I was on the whole, is Golden Tate possibly gone? I'm definitely throwing that aside. No. Like, no, because we just did not – did not address it's not that we we didn't need to address wide receiver it's not what we needed to do but we didn't so golden tate you're here you're you know you're here for for 2020 most likely so the most likely candidate if we're talking about why we would want to cut a player to free up some sort of cap space to you know we the whole the whole point of doing that would be to try and sign marcus golden i'm, I'm pretty sure and nate Solder would be that other guy now take this take this as you may Somebody was asking Dan Duggan about this, and he basically said he was given a $3 million bonus somewhat recently, Nate Solder was. Um, maybe think about what Eli Manning, when we were thinking about, is there even a slim chance that Eli Manning could not be on the 2019 yeah, roster? Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm making stuff up. Yeah, um, I mean, we don't know. I mean, hey, uh, people, people tried to pull He's going to be on the some, roster. People He's tried to pull. Right People tried to pull some things out of Dave Gettleman not mentioning his name yesterday when he was recalling the starting offensive lineman. <laughs> you never true. know. You never know. But that's what, why Joe really... doesn't name players just in case you forget <laughs> someone's name and it doesn't exactly. turn into a thing. Exactly. What what it could mean is, hey, Spencer Pulley is now going to turn into a six round pick to some random team that's going to want him. Would that's not mind means. that. Would not mind that at one bit. <laughs> that's what but I'm yeah, really I, taking. I, yeah. So I, I like this pick. All right. So let's, let's finish off the episode. Next episode, we will go through round six or seven. So starting with Cam Brown and, stop, and stopping with um, Tay Crowder and everything in between. I think Coughlin's going to be the one we have the most fun talking about. We appreciate you guys, by the way, throughout this whole draft coverage. It's been really awesome. So uh, big time appreciate you guys. And Justin, my uh, pizza guy is here, so I'm going to have to pause it and answer the door. I'm going I'm to – oh, wait, I can't see you, so I was going to narrate it. That's a shame. Bobby Skinner gets up. A wild Bobby Skinner gets up, approaches the door. Pizza guy doesn't leave the pizza at the front steps or just on the ground. Probably has to interact with him, which is nasty because of coronavirus. Is Bobby Skinner a guy that gives a good tip or is he a guy that just doesn't give a tip at all? I, I have a feeling Bobby Skinner's generous and he gives a solid tip. Maybe not too much, but not too little. I know if you're listening to this right now, I know you're the type of person that doesn't give a big tip. I know that 100%. You're the type of person that just doesn't give a big tip. Does Bobby All Skinner right. like pineapple on his pizza? I think he's from Florida, so he's kind of wacky. He may like pineapple Who on his pizza. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to the listeners right now. Oh, you, you don't leave that in the podcast. I don't want them to know in the morning of pizza. I'm leaving it in. I just narrated the entire thing. It's my one cheat meal, and I usually do it on Friday nights, but the draft was here, so I knew if I, I did that, it would make me groggy. So I've been waiting to do it to watch The Last Dance. So I got myself uh, uh, beef and banana peppers on my pizza. 
Are you a pineapple on pizza guy? I was just speculating that I think you no, are because you're from Florida. No, but I'm not one that's going to go like, how dare you bit pineapple? Like if, I'll, I'll eat it. But I don't need um, pork products, so it's beef and peppers. Leave a five-star rating on the Apple Podcast app and write a review and tell us that if you do or don't like pineapple on your pizza, and then especially if you have the take that you just should not have it, tell us that and leave a five-star rating and write a review. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for your support throughout the draft coverage. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and we're just going to – it's just getting started now because finally we can say this guy's on a giant. Let's break down every single aspect of this mamma jamma all right we appreciate you guys we'll see you on thursday but we'll see you a lot of times before then because we're we're gonna be active and until then let's go big blue